Good morning. Thank you for your invitation to allow me to share some thoughts about work. I mean, ever have ever asked yourself, why do we work? I remember a few years ago when uh, my brother and I were driving in a car somewhere, and then uh, we asked ourselves, you know, you sure uh, sharing on our jobs and griping about it. We asked ourselves, we asked each other actually, why do we work? Why do are we spending more, so more much of our time working? And we look at each other and both of us spontaneously says, starvation. Okay. Starvation, which is a good motivation to work because if you don't work, no food, you die, you starved. And things that we, both of us, uh, I mean, we are from a poor family. We don't have any uh, parents' money. So that is our main motivation to work. And as we think about it, as we think about our work, and uh, we're going to explore an aspect of work called marketplace uh, uh, theology. And what is this marketplace theology? But first, we have to define marketplace first. What do we understand by a marketplace? Especially marketplace ministry, which is actually very popular, very hot around nowadays. Okay. So what, what do you mean by a marketplace? Okay, when we talk about marketplace ministry, first thing that comes to mind is business, the business community. Which makes sense because uh, marketplace ministry is business which deals with transaction and uh, sales uh, and uh, purchases and selling and money. So you have this group of work that we call business. But how about the non-business workers, the uh, construction worker, the cleaners? Are they not in the marketplace? Well, they clean up the place. If the Wall Street is not cleaned by the cleaners and they're not built by construction workers, there will not be a Wall Street. There will not be a stock exchange. How about the NGOs? Okay, they are not involved in uh, selling and uh, buying, maybe not in terms of money, but in terms of services, are they considered marketplace? How about the church? You say, oh, no, church is, uh, we don't deal with money, you know, we are uh, do only spiritual things, but you, your church have a bank account, don't they? Okay, excess money you put in a FD, which earn interest and the bank uses the money that you place there to invest in the market. So is a church not in business? How about government? You can say that all oh, government is a non-business. Okay, they are dealing with all this, but you know, uh, we can talk about Malaysian parliament and say, is there a marketplace? Uh, I don't want to talk about that, but yeah, government 
are in some way are also involved in business. How about homemakers? We talk about homemakers. You know they are at home, but then usually the spouse is working, and the homemaker have to build and have to maintain a, a, a the home for the spouse so that they can spouse can go to work. So you slowly begin to realize that the marketplace is not so easy to define. As uh, Johnson says, you know, we, the marketplace is a forum in which human economic commerce is conducted. Okay, which fair enough. So it includes business community. That's what we say. But it's a workplace of a kind. Yeah, that is now, you know, it's a workplace. Okay, any workplace is in a consider a marketplace. Policy making forums like our banks, like our uh, uh, government at local, in, national, and international level that impact the economy, that also can be considered marketplace. So when we talk about when trying to narrow down our understanding of marketplace, okay, in the past it's quite easy, okay, the agora, okay, which is the uh, Greek for marketplace, is where when we talk about marketplace we think of the pasar malam, the wet market, that is the marketplace. But now we are thinking of a place where people work. That does have something to do with business. Okay, so so in fact, the Lausanne uh, committee actually talk uh, make a statement that says that we will use marketplace ministry as an umbrella term for workplace, without excluding those who do not have paid jobs. So, in other words, the idea of marketplace actually expanded to mean workplace. And this is a good example of what is happening. Okay, as we deal with theology, okay, theology is always changing. Okay, theology is not fixed. And you, you, that's why you study medieval theology, you study uh, 20th century, 21st century theology, is always changing. The core values doesn't change, but theology are changing and it's up to every generation to interpret, to read the Bible, to interpret the Bible, and how do we apply biblical principles and teaching into our everyday life. And that basically is what theology is all about. So this morning, I'm going to share about the changing nature of work, the theology of work and rest, and the marketplace theology. Okay. First, the changing nature of work you find that work itself okay, is changed. The pandemic is causing a disruption in our life. Okay. And there's, some of us hope that you know, by the time the vaccine comes and things will go back to normal. Now, let me tell you, things will never go back to the pre or the 2019 pre it will never go back there. We will be going to the new normal because things have changed so much. 
So what about work? Our understanding of work, the basic is still there. Okay. Uh, written, written. Talks about work as any necessary and meaningful task that God calls and gives a person. So in his definition of work, he's a, a New Testament scholar. Okay, it's something, a task that God gives, taken to for the glory of God and the edification and aid of human beings, inspired by the Spirit and foreshadowing the reality of new creation. Okay, these are very important terms. And let's keep it in mind as we uh, talk about work in this sermon. Okay. But first and foremost, we must recognize that our God is a worker. Okay, God, the worker. You find that, you know, he worked Genesis. It's not Genesis. You know, he worked six days and took rest on the seventh day. And I, I love this uh, uh, painting of uh, God by Michael You know, the Sistine uh, uh, Chapel, the ceiling, you have this picture of God. I know the most famous is God finger touching Adam. But if you there's a another drawing of God okay, from the, the rear end, the backside of God, so to speak, where you see his bare feet. And you find that his feet is dirty. Even the fingers that God reaches out to Adam has dirt under the nails. And I think Michelangelo has a very uh, astute insight on God. That God is a worker who gets his hand dirty. So God, you know, talks about uh, God as a composer and performer, as a metal work and porter, as a garment maker, he grows a farmer, shepherd, tent maker, builder, architect. So our God is a God who works. So work is not something bad. That only those who uh, doesn't have money or you know, have to work. Work is part and parcel of life. And if you look at our lives, now this is uh, 2010. You find that uh, most people in the States, spend about 35% or 36% of their life, about one-third of their life at work. So work is an important part of our life. But with the COVID, okay, with the pandemic, things have changed. And you find that you know, we, because of the pandemic okay, and the economic disruption that follows the pandemic, when we go back to work or if you're back at work, you find that there will be a lot of changes within the next five years. Okay, You find that new te emerging technologies will be in the forefront of this change. Okay, for example, use of AI. Okay, Nowadays, AI is usually used in uh, call centers. Okay, Now, you call the bank or you call the credit card most probably, instead of a person, somebody in, from India answering you, you will be speaking to 
uh, uh, computer AI. And AI is now very strong in healthcare. As a healthcare profession, I know, okay, they are uh, doing AI, uh, counseling people, AI uh, involved in uh, different machines, and even in the surgery, AI is actually helped to plan and to perform uh, computer robotics. And robotics is another thing, but with the AI driven, the factories are able to do many things so much so that factory workers are on the way out. Okay, the whole factory can be automated. In terms of employment, work from home is a big thing now. Okay, most people, then the companies begin to discover that, hey, we don't need to rent or buy big buildings anymore. Workers can work from home. So why do we need to pay renter for a big office space? Okay, what we can do is that no, we need to meet. We just rent a, 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 a office or rent a hotel. Okay, and the, the workers are discovering that hey, no, we, we don't need to go to the office. You can do work from home. So that means we don't need to commute every day, especially if you're in a Klang Valley where you spend three, four to five hours a day in the traffic jam. You say that hey, we don't that that we can do it at home. No need to go to drive all the way and commute to work. And then you find that if by discovering that you you find that hey, it, it should, because you can work from home, you don't live in a clan, don't need to live in the clan valley anymore. Maybe you can live somewhere further apart from the clan valley, maybe past uh Rawang. Or, or further, even further, where, you know, land are cheap, you know, what you can pay for your condo, you can buy a, a few acres of land. So you find that there will be remote employment, okay, uh, workspace, people will be dispersed, different will be, be distributed. And then you find that employment is not, no longer, you know, you stay with a job for the rest of your life. In fact, most of us may not be able to get jobs. Okay, part-time uh, uh, jobs, gigs, okay? They employ you for a certain project. They employ you for a, a certain uh, time. Okay, so uh, full-time workers may be a thing of the past. And you find that there will be changes in the organization in learning skills that you need to be lifelong learners. And there is also uh, a change in work-life balance because imagine the time, if you can work from home, the part-time you save from traveling, commuting every day. And also, you know, the, because of the MCO and CMCO, many people are staying at home and suddenly they find that, you know, being at home, the husband and uh, and wives are beginning to know each other better. In the past, you know, they've been uh, working, they only meet during weekends. And what is more interesting, as I found in a recent uh, webinar with her, uh, is that those children with autism and ADAD are doing better now because their parents are staying at home. That's the, the initial results we're getting from our research for children with autism and ADHD because they need the attention which they're not getting because the parents are working. 
But now, because the parents are staying at home, they're actually getting attention and actually improving. So this is a changing nature of work. And if we talk about a theology of the marketplace, okay, it has to change too. Okay, we cannot be talking about theology of the marketplace of the 19th century, which is the first industrial revolution. Okay, we are now talking about the third or fourth industrial revolution. Okay, we are just beginning to enter the fourth industrial revolution. So the theology has to change. Okay, so the challenges for Christian in a changing marketplace. Okay, and I, I will love for our young people to take up the challenge that in their generation, within the next few years, okay, what is the theology going to be like? Okay, it will be different, but it's exciting. The second point I want to make is the, the theology, theology of work and rest. And here we come to two principles or two uh, mandates foundational principles which I call the creation mandate and the redemption mandate. Okay, so cre creation mandate or what we call sometimes called the cultural mandate is God's creating the world. Okay, we start from Genesis. Okay, from the Genesis is all from the beginning. In Genesis 1, okay, when God created Adam and Eve, he says, go forth and multiply. That means human beings are to multiply, but also you have to take dominion, take care of the animals. So you see that not only to reproduce, but to work. Just taking care is work. And you find that Genesis 2 got uh, uh, created the Garden of Eden and what he did, he put Adam to work there in Genesis 2.15 to tend the garden. So that's Adam's job, a gardener. Then Genesis uh, chapter 2, 19 to 22 talks about naming the animals. Okay. To give a name actually has a lot of uh, uh, significance. If you look at ancient uh, uh, Eastern literatures and traditions and culture, when you name something, you have power over it. Okay, so in other words, when God says name the animals, you are, God says you, Adam and Eve, will have dominance over the earth. In other words, you are going to be co-creator with me. That is a cultural mandate. And then we have the redemption mandate, which is the great com, uh, commission. Matthew 28, go into the, all the world and you shall be my witnesses. So that is a redemption mandate and that's the creation mandate. And the creation mandate, in, if you look at it in the perspective of work, is that people are built to create value. Okay. Adam, God created him and then he put him to work. So they are to create value 
to work in and for community, you find that soon after that, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Okay. So that means it's value creation. Okay. And it, we are actually, it's not a byproduct or it's not an afterthought that we are created so that we can work. That's why the Master Shorter Catechism says, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That means everything we do is to glorify God and enjoy, including our work. That's the implication. Okay. And then you find that the creation mandate precedes the redemption mandate. Okay, I'll show you why. That's, your work matters to God. God says it's good. This creation is good. And because we are he, he, uh, created in His image, He wants us to do good work. And again, thought work is not the afterthought, but it's a fundamental human activity along with community, love, sex, and family. Okay, so, so we have to understand that work is part of who we are created to be. In fact, the word work is very similar to worship. Okay. The word liturgy, liturgia in Latin, or letugia in uh, the Greek, comes from the word people <coughs> and work. So, when we worship God, we worship God on Sunday. And then the other six days when we work, that is carrying the worship that we begin on Sunday onto the rest of the week. So work is worship. That is a Christian mandate. And if you see, this is a Christian story. Okay, We, we are quite familiar with this Christian story. Where God creates, the world is good, we are creating an image of God and they're giving authority over all creation. But comes the fall. We are tempted, we rebel against, against God. And because of that, we now have broken relationship and creation and human nature are cursed. So that is the creation. But comes the redemption mandate where the Redeemer comes, dies and saves us on the cross, the church works to make his kingdom visible. Okay, and we wait for the completion where we, the Redeemer returns and then creation restored greater than before, garden to city. So you find that the new heavens and earth, okay, the new heaven is, is not something up there. You know, when we uh, thinking of a new heaven, we're thinking that in a few after we die, when Christ comes, we'll be all in the air floating, uh, playing harps and uh, have, having wings and all that. That's not true. Okay. The new heaven and earth is actually here and now, the present earth. So, with in our resurrected body, we will be existing on the new earth and the new Jerusalem. In the beginning, we have a garden. Okay, the creation mandate, the Garden of Eden. 
in the end, you see in Revelation, it talks about the new Jerusalem. And the new Jerusalem is actually the new Garden of Eden or the renewed or the uh, updated Garden of Eden where everything has been redeemed. So that's why work is that, you know, before the fall, work is good and it's community and if we desire to, to work, okay, and we are created to work both as stewards on earth and to fashion things for God's glory. Okay, you find that, you know, God is a landowner, he owns everything. And as steward, we actually do not own anything. But we have a responsibility. So work is our responsibility. Okay, we have to be good caretakers. We cannot exploit. And we all work for his pleasure. But we now exist in an in-between time. Okay, the, we are still in the fallen world. Okay, the kingdom of God has come here and not yet. Okay, so, so we exist in this in-between time. And our work also exists in this in-between time. That is why work is difficult. Okay. That's why uh, the author of Hebrews says, in putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. That means it's not yet, but it's there. Okay. So that's why work is an issue for many of us. Okay. Many of us actually struggle with work. And, and you know, we, some of, we don't enjoy work. Okay, and we, and those of us, some of us hate our work and can't get up in the morning. We refuse to get up in the morning. Oh, I wish it's just the weekend again. And then, uh, so work, because it's a foreign work, have issues. And we are very aware of all the issues that is in work. Oppressive working condition, conflict in the office, Employer employee tension, okay. Research project that serve to only the rich few, which are, are very real issues. I mean, we're talking about vaccine, okay, for COVID, but who is going to get a vaccine? Not the poor countries, okay, and not even in a country, everybody will get it. Only the rich and the privileged few. Yeah, work. Uh, a lot of works are actually weaponized. You know, you, you create something and the, uh, they try to make it into a weapon. There are a lot of bribery, corruption, corporate greed, shoddy materials. That's why uh, uh, the dark and uh, the flyover keep falling down. Buildings keep falling down. Corporate greed is such that, you know, you can uh, build a bridge for $2 billion no, the price is six billion. So that is a fallenness of work. So in order to talk about a marketplace theology, okay, for our time, the we have to affirm the creation goodness. 
that's the creation mandate. The moral goodness of productive work. That work is part of life until the Lord returns. So we have to accept that. I think that is a very important point for us to, 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 to think about. You know, maybe, maybe you don't like your work. Maybe you are struggling with work. But work is part of life until the Lord returns. But work should be balanced with rest. That means we have to make time to rest. And work should enjoy the fruit of the labor. I think that there's something that, you know, you do work, but you must be paid for it. That means exploitation, especially among the, you know, our immigrant workers and our mates and all that. That is, that is real exploitation. So the moral goodness of it, so you look at the uh, this graph again, you see that there is the creation mandate, also the redemption mandate. And we're working, especially, uh, or uh, even marketplace uh, uh, work is part of this redemption process. Then we talk about the, the sin, the fallenness. Okay? Sin distorts work. Okay, and one of the uh, issues I'm very uh, passionate about is the secular worldview. Okay. We know this is what God worked, one for work. The kingdom of God, that His rule and reign will make evident in all of life. That means God wants to us to work out kingdom living in every aspect of our life especially in our work. And the request in the Lord's Prayer, and what's this request? Thy will be done for us to submit and be obedient to the will of God. God also des desire to have shalom. Okay? Shalom, not just the absence of conflict, because shalom, the Hebrew word often is uh, uh, translated as peace. But it's actually more than that. It's restore relationship. Shalom is the completeness, the wholeness, the reconciliation and restored relationship with God as Adam has and Eve has with God in the Garden of Eden. That is the shalom that God wants. The restored Pre-fall relationship. So for us, Christian, we have to find our, our role in the creation and the, the redemption mandate in our work. So this is our job, but much more than our job. Okay, that's what God wants. And if we want to really talk, look closely at work, there are a lot of uh, Greek terms in the New Testament, Greek words that describe work, which is actually all positive. So work is positive. Okay, You don't have to go through all this, but work is positive. Work is part of life. But the issue we have is our use of language. Okay, When we use English, or any language for that matter, there are certain... Uh, uh, baggage that comes with it. And we have to be careful when we build a theology on, 
on whatever using language. That's why the limitation of, of language, okay, like occupation. Okay, what is your occupation? It means to occupy, to fill space. Yeah. Or it can mean busyness, doing for the sake of doing. Okay. So what is the occupation? Oh, I, I'm just doing this to buy time until five o'clock, until the weekend, until I get my pay. So that can be the meaning of occupation. Employment. Okay, we use the word employment. You can suggest work or just busyness according to the whims of the employer. So when you say, oh, I'm employed. Okay, well, I'm busy. I have some job security. No, in terms of uh, COVID, thing, I will get my pay. Okay, or may not. Or, you know, you may uh, get your uh, voluntary uh, retrenchment. Or the, your boss can tell you to make, your, make coffee for him. So employment has also this baggage. Career, profession. Actually, it suggests status rather than servanthood. And here we are talking about no, we want to be a servant. No, Christians are servants. We serve. But when we, but we use the word career and profession. So if we want to think clearly and think deeply about our understanding of work, especially work in the marketplace, I would suggest we use the word calling or vocation. Okay, vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, to call, suggesting that no, it's not an employment, it's not occupation, but it's been, you're being called to do certain things. That somebody sees the value in you. That somebody says, hey, you can do it. I want you to do something for me. Yeah. It suggests that God who made us wants us to be creative. And God who makes us with gifts, using families and friends to develop our talent so that we will work with Him in tandem. Okay, So, so that is uh, uh, another important uh, uh, thing about calling that God calls us, but God also calls us to work with Him, to partner with Him to be co-creators with Him. So in other words, we are called to work alongside God for His purposes and our fulfillment. So that is what calling is all about. And I think, and I believe that, you know, if we use the word calling, it gives a different perspective on our understanding on marketplace theology. Another uh, point I want to make is that not because of the distortion and church tradition, there is some sac sacred and secular misconceptions. Okay. And this is very strong in many churches where the clergy lay the white. Now, if you look at some churches, it actually uh, like two, two uh, uh, species of Christians, so to speak. You have the clergy 
which are called reverend, father, pastor, and then you have the rest of humanity or rest of the Christians. Okay, and I find that this uh, divide, well, you can actually trace it back in church history traditions and all that. But if you look at the early church, there is actually no such thing. Okay, so you now you find that uh, the divide, you, uh, these are the people who are called by God, who are supposed to be more holy. And, you know, if you are a pastor and all that, oh, yeah, you know, you, you are a, a special, you know, God calls you and you're closer to God and you have special rewards. But the rest of us on this side, uh, you know, we are the uh, kaki, you know, the small fries. Okay. Yeah, so uh, professionals, homemakers, politicians, and all that. But I, I always, uh, this is always this because, you know, in church, you will, uh, people will always ask you, when are you going to go full time? Now, I get that all the time. People ask me, when are you, you going to get full time? Then I think about it and it says, actually, I'm full time already. You mean there's no, there's no such thing as a part-time Christian or no. It's a full-time Christian. So when we talk about this divide, you can actually see that there are two, they set them apart. You know, the clergy can be theologically trained or must be theologically trained. They are ordained. They have titles. They are full-time. In other words, they don't work, earn their money in the marketplace. But who pays their money? People in the marketplace pay their money. And then you have the other people, you know, who functions the laity, they serve in the world. Okay. Now this is the, actually the, the laity in the, uh, actually more well-educated than the pastors. Okay. Uh, but because they are not in, in full-time ministry, so to speak, so they are not uh, really recognized. Okay. But this is not what the... Uh, New Testament church really is. We are the uh, Laos, the people of God. And the leaders, the bishop and the pastors and all that, are leaders as a function. Okay, Gordon Fee actually wrote a, a, a very good article on that. On, and he talks about the people of God and the, the clergy and laity divine. And it's something that we have to consider, especially when we talk about work. You know, we talk about work, especially we, we uh, counsel the younger people. Say, no, you, you go and be a pastor, lah. You know, this is full time work, as if it's a small special value than going to be to the marketplace. Okay, going to the marketplace bad, going to politics even worse. I don't think that is what the New Testament teaches us about. That work is all of good value. Okay. And poor work habits, you know, typically uh, work habits, actually the Protestant work habits, okay, or the uh, work habits that is in the world today, which people recognize as good, are actually Christians, Christian ethics. Okay. Like to rebuild our culture, we must return in a new way to the idea of work as a contribution to the good of all. So that means work is not 
means for our own achievement to get a salary to make a lot of money but as a contribution to the good of all and i find that uh no i i one of my students in uh, bible seminary actually starts a factory and he works on christian principle it means he treat his workers well he pay them well he make sure their accommodations and everything is taken care of and he actually holds church services in the churches in the factory itself a contribution to the good of all Tim Keller talks about work is not merely a job but a calling a week a vocation and a job is only if somebody calls you to do it and you do it for them rather than for yourself so here we are the mark the moral goodness of productive work how sin distort work and we are god give us work so that we can glorify him and if you want the takeaway point from this is that the marketplace theology is about god calling god calls us individually and if he places he places in the job that we are doing it's not by accident no okay it's not by uh, some sort of accident that you end up doing the job you are doing today god put you there why because you are to be his witness okay you are to be his witness in that place in this place and time so your job has value your job has importance okay your marketplace jobs there's no distinction between secular and not your marketplace job is not secondary to a, a full time job okay god could call you to full time and he may too because we change our jobs but not our calling so god calls us he places or he senses so that we can be his witness and as we think about this I I just want us to think carefully about where we are and our job and the job that we're doing is it the correct one is it where God wants us or is it not let's pray Father we just want to thank you for this time now this time where we can think about our job and the importance of work and how you have made it so that we can be your worker for life father just pray this in jesus name oh thank you for listening and i start with uh, the story of my brother and i and now as we reach the age where our children are grown 
uh, mortgage are paid. And we look at each other and says, well, we're not worried about starvation anymore. So why are we working? Well, we're still working. I guess the answer is that we are created to work. God bless you.